Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message.
Well, last week, <clears throat> we talked about the importance of being rooted in Christ. And, um, you know, late last year when, um, as the year was closing, uh, I just felt the Lord put this word on my heart that I don't believe is just a word for the year, quote unquote, a word for the year, but a word that God, um, I believe, wants to speak to all of us at all time, and that is the word rooted, which I believe um, is also going to be incredibly important this year for our lives as believers as we embark into 2024. Now, being rooted in Christ should be something that's paramount for every believer and that we should desire. That should be in our hearts to be rooted, grounded, solid on strong foundation and a strong resolve to love Jesus and to want to serve him. Now, Let's read Colossians, our scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And I would invite you to kind of like keep it open there because uh, we're going to go through these verses. And I want to maybe read with uh, highlighting some key thoughts and, and words in this passage. So it says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... And I think we could even stop right there for a minute and talk about the fact that when we accept Jesus, he is looking more than just, he's looking for more than just a read the Bible and pray a five-minute prayer in the morning before you go to work. It's the lordship of Jesus that's identified here. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, Lord. He wants to be the Lord of our lives. He wants to have control of our lives, not to subdue us, not to eliminate the way that we think and process life, but he wants to be the Lord of our lives, Lord over every aspect, over every area, over every major decision that we make. He wants to be the Lord, and a Lord rules, right? I think we all understand that concept that a Lord rules and then God wants to rule over our lives and to be part of everything that we do. And then it says, you must continue. And I, and I thought about that, continue to follow him is very important because that automatically assumes that we don't stop, that we don't slow down, that we keep on going. And that one of the things sometimes that we do as believers, we get satisfied. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You become a believer and <clears throat> everything is great. You're not experiencing any major difficulty. And so the idea of continuing should allow us to, how about we say continue to pursue. Continue. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't be satisfied with status quo. Keep on going. Keep on going. And we got to continue to do what? To follow him. To follow him. And to be a follower of Jesus. You remember when Jesus called the 12 disciples. He looked at them and said, come, follow me. Follow me. That automatically to me, it means that Christianity, friends, is not just a Sunday morning sport. 
It is not just something that we do occasionally to satisfy you know, our conscience so that we feel good enough. Christianity is something that we do. It's who we are. We follow Jesus. He is saying here in this passage, continue to follow him, to follow Christ. He wants to be at the center of our lives. And so if we follow Christ, we have to, 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 to keep up to stay behind the leader. Have you ever followed the leader? Have you ever run with a pacer in front of you? Any of you runners here? Have you runners? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say a pacer? You know, <clears throat> when I ran uh, one particular marathon that I ran, there was a pacer, right? We were going at a eight-minute pace, so, you know, you follow that pacer. It's like, ah, okay, and then I decided this guy is way too fast for me. Let me go to the nine-minute pacer. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's too fast. <clears throat> you know, we gotta, you got to follow the pacer if you want to stay within that time. When it comes to Jesus, it's the same principle, the same idea. We follow Jesus, who's the pace setter of our lives. We follow him. We don't follow our plans. We don't follow our mindset, our ideas. We follow him. It says, let your roots grow down into him. Other translations say that we need to be rooted in him. Rooted means to render firm, to fix, to establish, to cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. When we are rooted, when you are rooted in something, I mean, you are on solid foundation. You're on solid ground. You're unshakable, unmovable. We're going to talk a little bit about even what Max said at the beginning, <clears throat> that that there's going to be a shaking. We'll be talking about that in a little while. And this seems to be like the topic of the day today, even in pre-service prayer. That when we are rooted in Christ, we are on solid foundation. We're sturdy. Nothing can sway us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Then it says, let your lives be built on him. Amen to that, whatever that is. Let your roots grow down into him, rooted, and let your lives be built on him. That's on Jesus. Is your life built on Jesus? Is my life built on Jesus? In other words, is he the foundational? Is he the cornerstone of our lives? You know, Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer my decisions. It's no longer my desires. It's Christ. It's no longer the, the things that have affected me all my life, that I have followed all my life. I'm going to set, set those aside, and I'm going to, Follow Jesus. It's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth. In the truth. <clears throat> Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
Jesus said, I am the truth. And so when we are saying here that our faith will be strong in the truth, that means that we are going to be strong in Jesus. It brings us right back to the foundation, to follow him, to be rooted in him, to be grounded in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Being rooted in Christ, friends, is very important. It's kind of like understanding how a tree grows. And, and we, we talked about, uh, about that last week, that the best way to describe being rooted in Christ is like being understanding how a tree grows. A tree needs nutrients. It needs the, the water. It needs to, to feed from the foundation, from the roots up. And these trees in, uh, you know, Sequoia National Park or Redwoods National Park in California, a couple of the, the big parks out there, they're like incredible. Some of them almost go up to 400 feet. It's amazing. And, and a lot of them actually live to be well over 2,000 years. That is an incredible statistic. Now, when we talked about the importance of water, we talked about the fact that a tree needs to have water in order to survive. Water in the Bible represents uh, the two key values of our church, which are word and spirit. We talk about that all the time. And so the water is the word that feeds us and the spirit of God that Jesus said will overflow from us. And so now, here we go today, we're going to talk about a couple more key reasons why we need to be rooted. Number one is we need to be rooted in Christ so that we do not fall into deception. Deception. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And then in, a, little, a little further down in verses 10 to 12, it says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Man, those are heavy heavy words. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But to the one who stands firm to the end, that one will be saved. Now, I don't think that we have ever witnessed in, at any time probably in the history of mankind uh, a time in which people have been more argumentative, divisive. There are factions and belief systems that seem to spring up out of anywhere and everywhere. And sometimes that also seems to be uh, happening in the church as well. I think social media has probably helped some of those keyboard warriors perpetrate and, and, uh, 
and, uh, and perpetuate ideas that in so many ways are not biblical, not biblically founded on the truth. Now, prophetic words have been given out, and I, sad to say, uh, and hear me out as I say this, right? I do believe that the prophetic is important, but I, I, I don't really appreciate prophetic words given out, kind of like reading the horoscope in the newspaper. Well, I got a word for you, brother. And we have to be careful. We have to be very careful. Sadly, uh, uh, there are people that put a lot of weight on prophetic words that are spoken. And so when something is spoken and you are just like a sponge ready to receive that word, if that word disappoints you, your Christian walk with Jesus, all of a sudden it's Jesus' fault that somebody spoke something that did not, was not really of God. Now, Again, I want to say this, hear me out, because I believe in the prophetic movement. I operate in the prophetic as the Lord gives me words to share. But, <clears throat> and I also believe this, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it does say that we should not despise, we should not reject prophecy. So it's important to understand this, right? But if Matthew chapter 24 that we read from is true, and I believe that it is. And I believe that all of us understand and believe that. Amen? Right? Are you with me? If that is true, then we must be on our guard because the spirit of deception is in operation. Are you with me? Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 to 14 gives us a clear passage, I think, that we all understand and have heard of before. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Pay attention. Then we will no longer be infant, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. I, I, I read these words and I say, okay, who is Paul talking to here? He's talking to believers, isn't he? So... Is it out of the ordinary then to believe that, that there are teachers who are cunning and crafty to deceive people? According to what the Bible says, it is not an unusual thing. When in the last days? We have to, so understanding this, right, that God has given five different ministries to the church. The prophet being one of them. But, and, and, you know, anybody that I think speaks out of any pulpit is declaring and proclaiming words for God on behalf of God. We have got to be so careful. That's why the scripture says that for anybody that teaches, there will be a greater judgment on them. Why is that? Because every word that we speak that is not 
of the Lord. And it's just something that originates in our minds and in our feelings, in our emotions. And we want to let you guys know about this stuff. That's just the flesh. Are you with me? We have got to be careful so we don't fall into a deception that is seems to be common. Christ, it is Christ that gave the church these fivefold ministries. But we have got to be careful. And by the way, one of those ministries is the teacher and the pastor. And when we speak to you as your leaders, as David did today in sharing what he shared, as it was not a reprimand, but an encouragement. A, you can say it was a prophetic word of encouragement to parents today. We have got to glean from those and understand that we are here to allow you guys to not fall into deception, but receive the word of God so that you can grow, so that I can grow, so that we can together grow in the ways of the Lord. That is the goal. That is the point. We have a mandate and a responsibility before God to protect the body of Christ against false doctrine and heretical beliefs. But each one of us is also responsible for himself and herself. We all have the Bible, the Word of God that teaches us how we should walk and who, what we should believe and, and so on and so forth. And so it's also your responsibility and my responsibility. And friends, let me, let me say this as I <clears throat> conclude this portion. If it contradicts the Bible, toss it. If it's against what the Word of God says, it is not of God. And that is, see, if we take this book and we make this our guide and we follow the precepts of the Word of God that is so precious, we will not go wrong. We can't go wrong because it's in the book. It is the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that this book is inspired, is breathed of God. It's God's breath on men and women who wrote these pages so that we could grow and mature and attain the full measure and statue of Christ. That is why it's so important that we make the Word of God our primary source, not just of information, friends, but impartation. If it's not in the Word, don't believe it. Also, if culture dictates belief systems that are not biblical, don't believe it. Don't buy it. <clears throat> just recently, I was reading an article of a major denomination that recently struck out from their belief system. If I told you, you'd be shocked, the denomination. I will not. They struck out from their belief system marriage being a union between a man and a woman. Marriage is no longer a union between a man and a woman. It could be between a man and an it, they, them, and whatever else they want to call it, and it could be some other 
I mean, you can get married to a cat, I guess, if there's no definition, or to any kind of animal, I suppose. I don't, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just telling you what I was reading. I, it kind of like blew my mind. I'm like, how could that be? We all have the same scripture. And if some of those forefathers that created those movements would be alive today, they'd probably turn in the grave. They, they probably would stand up and say, stop whatever you're doing. Let's go back to the principles of the word of God. That's why it's so important being rooted, grounded, fortified in the truth. Not what I want, not what I desire, but what the truth of the word of God declares. That is paramount. That is paramount. <clears throat> and I, guys, I, I will say this about the prophetic movement, and I'll stop right there, just so that you guys don't understand that, uh, or understand that we're not against the prophetic movement, right? Even in the charismatic movement now, <clears throat> many people are beginning to question things that are being spoken that are not according to God's word. Also, the Bible does say that if you prophesy, it better come to pass. Because if not, you better be standing somewhere and saying, I'm sorry, what I said did not come to pass. I apologize. It's totally fine. We're all human. We're all flesh and blood. We need to understand this, right? Because the Bible says that a man of God judges all things when it comes to prophecy. And it's not for the sake of judgment, but it's for the sake of the purity of the word of God. We, this is the most important thing. It's the word of God. If we put a prophetic utterance above the word of God, there's a problem. If we believe a preacher who is so eloquent that when he speaks, he's, I mean, he's just, it's kind of like the, uh, a flute in the hands of a, of a man that makes a, uh, what do they call them, those uh, snakes, uh, a cobra, just stand up on his head and just open up and <laughs> But some believers are like that. It's like, oh, that's a man of God. I, I got I to gotta listen to everything he says. No, this is the word of God. We've got to listen to everything this book says. And I'll just stop right there. Because it's the word of God that I believe. I believe his word. The second thing I want to say is that a strong root system is solid foundation. It's like that solid foundation. Ephesians chapter 6 says that Paul, talking about putting on the full armor of God, it says this, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. We need to be fully clothed so that when the evil day comes, we'll be full, solid, on solid ground. We're going to be able to stand. Now, if I were to ask you the question, do you think that we are living in the evil day that Paul is talking about? What would you say? I think we would say, yeah, some seems like that. <clears throat> I don't think that anyone has been literally untouched by the instability that we're living in, whether it be financial instability, whether it be emotional concerns, whatever it might be, we've all been affected and impacted by the certain level of instability in our world. 
Now, allow me to say that if we are rooted in Christ, it's not that we're not going to have the problems or the instability, but that when we will go through some of these shaking and, and, and storms and the trials of life, we will have a better chance to be equipped and withstand the storms of life and the lies of Satan himself that are coming against us. Now, let me ask you this other question. Have you ever faced trials alone and failed? If you're honest with me, put your hand up. If you failed, okay, look around, guys. Now, keep your hands up. Okay, we are not alone, right? Now, let me ask you another question. Have you ever faced any trials with Jesus, even if the outcome was not what you desired, but in the midst of the storm, you felt the peace of God? Probably the same hands, right? Because we go through the same thing. Sometimes we do it on our own, and we're like, you're such a knucklehead, David. <clears throat> Don't you remember last time that you tried and you did the same thing? It was so much better with Jesus. Why are you trying to do this by yourself? But yet, we're, that's, we're just creatures of habit. We fall right back into the same tendency and way of doing. Friends, when we build our lives on Jesus and he is our firm foundation, I can assure you that when the storms of life will come, and they will come, that you will not fall apart, and you will stand if you are rooted and grounded in Jesus. That's the whole point. It's not so that we will not have issues and, 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 and things in life will not happen. But it's that when they do take place, we're going to be solid. We're going to be on solid ground. Even if we'll be looking around and wondering what is going on. I did not anticipate this. I did not expect it. But with Jesus by my side, I'm going to make it through. We're going to make it through. I believe that our lives and our families... And I think that you would say that for yourself, that your life and your family is of incredible importance to you. I think we are responsible to teach our children the ways of God, to set them up so that when they grow up, they will be solid themselves. I'm, I have met young people Teens, teenagers that grew up in godly families where the parents took it super serious to, to instruct and give the precepts of God's word and pray over the children and do everything that they could. And some of them are like, wow, man, like, uh, that's incredible. Like, I, I love what God is doing in your life. And then some not so much. And then there are some that, some of you parents that have fought for your kids and you're still fighting for your kids, I, I will tell you, keep fighting for your kids because the enemy, you know, Jeremiah, the testimony last week was just amazing, right? It was like, that's what he told us. That's what he shared. It's like, hey, parents, don't stop fighting for your kids. Keep believing. And we're going to keep believing. And if you are fighting for your child to walk in the ways of God and they're not where they should be, don't give up. 
Don't give up. Because our responsibility as parents is to do that, is to instruct them so that they can be rooted in the ways of the Lord. They can be rooted in Christ. So that means, by the way, that when we have great worship services and God is moving and your children are next to you, you can tell them, hey, raise your hands. Do, do as I do, right? Worship God with me. At home, you read the Bible together. Try. Try. Do, do whatever you can, you know? I'm, uh, and kids are funny, you know? Kids are funny. Kids say the darnest things, you know? And, um, you know, one of our kids, every time we'd open the Bible, and I read from the Old Testament, if it was a name like Ezekiel, Isaiah, or uh, any kind of unusual name, he would just, he couldn't help himself, just like start laughing. Just, and then everybody starts laughing. Isaiah, whoo! But at least they know who Isaiah is. Come on. Ezekiel. But at least they know who Ezekiel is. Do your best as a parent to not just teach them what they say. You know what? Kids at MCC were so grateful for. But you know what? Kids at your house, is that even more important? Yes, it is. That's the place where the pure instruction should take place. So don't give up. Just keep going. Church, we're going to face a shaking. There's no doubt about it. But you know what? I think that we probably would have said that we faced a shaking in 23, and in 22, and in 21, and in 2020, and more than likely if we're still alive in 25. And I remember some shaking in my life in 1995, 1992, 93, 94. You know, why am I doing this? I'll tell you why. Because it's in the Word. Let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Now, there's a great meaning to all this passage, but let's just say this. I, I remember, seeing, remember seeing those cartoons when, uh, you know, uh, you look at, at a cartoon character and they have no, you know, little pockets or sometimes they don't even have pockets. But all of a sudden, you know, uh, another character just takes them, puts them upside down, and shake him, and everything comes out of there. It's like kitchen sink, a car, you know, a cat, a dog, pots and pans, and everything else. I, I, I think in so many ways, this shaking, so that the things of God will remain, it's a little bit like that. I think God allows a little shaking to take place to, to just get us to loosen some of the things that don't belong to us. And so the shaking can actually be beneficial to our lives. It wouldn't be destructive. It would not be a punishment, but it's something that God is doing to help us. Now, context is everything, right? So in the context of this passage in chapter 12, 
You have to go back a chapter before. What's chapter 11? It's what? The, what chapter? Faith chapter, right? I think we all know that. Chapter 11 is a great faith chapter of the Bible. But then in chapter 12, the same writer, the same guy that wrote chapter 11, is talking about the fact that there is a danger of falling away from the faith. What faith? That same faith of chapter 11. So we got to be careful because we can easily fall away if we resist the shaking, if we resist what God is doing in our lives, if we just kind of like buy into anything and everything that's going on around us. No, God is saying, be rooted, grounded in your faith, your faith in the truth, your faith in me. Stay strong. Don't give up because when the shaking takes place, you are going to stand firm. You're going to be on solid foundation you will not fall apart. That is faith in Jesus. And that is the kind of faith that all of us believers should aspire to have. The Bible calls these days in which we're living perilous times. The enemy's goal is to deceive the believer, to distract us. Man, does he do a good job with that. I mean, the distractions in our society are, are at an all-time high. Distractions left and right. But also, he wants to derail us from any kind of growth into God. You know what? When a train is on course to a destination, a train derailed will become a disaster. And we've witnessed some of those disasters. When our lives are on course with God and we're following what the Word of God declares, we're following the precepts of the Word of God because we love Him, because we understand what He wants us to do, being derailed can create a disaster, spiritual disaster in our lives. And that is why we need to be anchored. We need to be strong in God. The enemy's goal is to deceive and distract and derail. And so the question to all of us is, how will we respond? How will I respond? How will you respond? In our text, we read verses 6 and 7. But look at verses 8 and down. I'm, I'm going to read them to you. If you have your Bible open, you can <clears throat> go to it. It says in verse 8, See to it no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Okay. So we have got to have a strong root foundation in order not to fall into these hollow and deceptive philosophies that are being perpetrated. If Paul, Paul was saying this 2,000 years ago, guys, that means that there's been hollow and deceptive philosophies being perpetrated in society ever since then. That's why I'm saying that sometimes we point to a great shaking. You know what? There's probably intensity of shaking, and I, I will give that, <clears throat> right? And, th and this year may be a great intensity in shaking. I don't know. But I do know one thing, that they existed ever since the Word of God was declared. 
For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And if you have given, and you have been given, excuse me, the fullness of Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. And Okay, so if we stop right there, then we understand that having the strong root system will become a solid foundation in the midst of these difficult times when hollow and, 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 and ungodly philosophies are being thrown at us from every corner because we will stand firm in Christ. So how will we respond? Will we stand up? Will we strengthen ourselves in God? That we, we absolutely have the same Christ that Paul is talking about, that creates that synergy of strength and foundational? Or are we going to kind of like play Christianity? Ah, you know, when it feels good, we follow Jesus. When it doesn't, we do with whatever we feel like doing. I will say this, that in order to withstand the shaking and the philosophies of this world and the, and the, and the things that are being perpetrated in our society, uh, I think that we need to embrace what's happening. We embrace the challenges, but we embrace them with the help of Jesus. That means that if you know that you're going to go through something, you brace yourself for impact. You ever gone on a roller coaster and you know that you're just going to, like you're climbing up, <clears throat> you're climbing on that roller coaster and all of a sudden you know that it's just going to take a big nosedive and you're just going to go for it. You brace yourself for impact. And the way to brace ourselves for impact is to make Jesus first and only. Jesus, Lord, Jesus, the foundation of our lives. Jesus, everything, everything. Why is being rooted so important? Because it makes us stronger. Paul says, I am persuaded. And I want us to be believers who are persuaded, that live by this book. Persuaded, convinced, not just because I'm telling you, but because you know because you know, because you read it, because you digest this book out of your own desire. Being rooted in Christ means building our lives centered around Jesus, centered around him. Do I want to struggle? Absolutely not. Do I want to thrive? Yes. Do I want to thrive in the midst of struggle? Yes. We can and we will as sons and daughters whose identity is secure in the Father that in the midst of the difficulties of this world we can thrive because we have Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also 
to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.